Hello and welcome to part two of the Growing Through Dance podcast of the interview with the musical theatre performer Alex Fobster. In part one, we heard from Alex how the space to be creative led to his career. In part two, he discusses being a professional performer and how his creativity has supported his career choices. I know that you've been quite lucky so far in, in what you've been cast in. So perhaps let's move on to your professional career a little bit now and mm. tell us how that's gone and how dance has fitted in there. Um, so what what was your first sort of professional thing you did? So dance is obviously essential for musical theatre, which is what I do for a living now. So my first job was, well, I mentioned it earlier in brief, uh, pretending to be a little elf in Christmas Town. So I did the the UK tour, very small tour of Elf the Musical was my first job. We did Plymouth at the Theatre Royal, who were co-producers of the show. Uh, brilliant theatre. Shout out to the mm-hmm. Theatre Royal Plymouth. I don't know why I'm doing that. Um, Theatre Royal and then the Gosh Theatre in Dublin. So that was my first job in this kind of large scale Christmas spectacular. And the reason I wanted to talk about Plymouth was that they have a workshop attached to TR2. So TR2, Theatre Royal 2, I guess, is their rehearsal space. They've got a huge workshop next door and they were building the set while we were rehearsing it. And so we would come into rehearsals and they'd be wheeling in these giant glittery icebergs or this big Santa's throne. Um, And obviously I'm there at 21. Like, this is the most amazing thing. I was just so happy to be there. There's some uh, footage of of that time. Somebody filmed the first time we put the little elf legs on and we're on our knees all marching down there. And you can just see the smile smile on my face. (laughs) Uh, so yeah my but you know the the first two auditions for that show were dance rounds guess what it was essential and it's that's what I mean about play table stakes was can they do the pirouette can they be on the beat can they tap enough that's the baseline Mm -hmm. guess what everyone in the room could do that everyone in the room could do it Mm -hmm. so it was about what do you bring other than that what do you bring from being that 17 year old who was into Monty Python and did that silly Knights of the Round Table routine. How does that individual then nurture that creative instinct and then do something that is interesting in the room on the day? And when you do that dance audition that makes the panel go, oh, okay, they're interesting. We'll, we'll see them for the next, yeah. for the next round. And that's why I think the play is so important because people get so caught up in the skills, don't they? But actually they it's do. not necessarily they about the yeah. skills. It's balancing anyway, so. the two, isn't it? It's trying to get the, the level you're talking about. If you haven't got the skills, you're not even going to get the chance to show what else you can do. Yeah, you need the skills. Don't get me wrong. The skills yeah. are essential. But then it's like, what do you do on top of the skills yeah, that makes them go, wow, that's so interesting and exciting. Hire that person. Um, so, yeah, my first job was Elf. And then we did Elf again the following year, but in the Dominion Theatre in the West End. And they called my agent up in the February after we finished the show and said, we're doing it in the West End this Christmas. Does he want to be part of the cast? So we got first refusal. Obviously, I lost my mind and was like 100% yes. And then... My next job had no dance in it. Well, there was some, it wasn't like a dance show. There was a lot of movement, but we, I did the Buddy Holly story, which I remember you guys coming to see. Uh, yeah. And that was awesome, challenging in a whole different way. And that was where I started doing the music. And I played Buddy so in that. Just take us back a little bit, because I'm sure it would be really interesting to a lot of people. How, how did the auditions go for that? For Buddy? 
about it yet because of course you had the lead yeah the auditions were so we had to go in start, no, I'll tell you what it started out with a self-tape I remember going into uh, a little room little one of the singing rooms at Arts Ed with my guitar and recording a self-tape of That'll Be The Day um, and then we got in the room and I had to audition there were about seven or eight people I think down all or along this table and yeah I had to do the songs again and had to do some sides where we they gave us some scenes for the show and I had to read them just with the director and then we did a group workshop audition. So we had, so Buddy Holly and the Crickets is the sort of central band. So you've got Joe and Jerry, who are the double bass player and the drummer. And then Buddy is obviously Buddy Holly. And I remember going to this group audition where there were, I think there were three or four Buddies, two or three Joes and two or three Jerrys. And we basically did the songs in different groups of buddies, Joes and Jerry's. And we'd be swapping in halfway through Peggy Sue. They'd be like, right, next buddy in coming. And you'd have to just jump. And we had a drum kit, double bass, electric guitar, big amp, PA. So you'd be jumping onto the mic and off again. Uh, Obviously nowadays you'd be sanitizing it in between. But um, (laughs) I'm waiting 15 minutes, yeah. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) But yeah, so we did this group audition where there were all these buddies and obviously we're all there in our specs. We're all wearing button down shirts and trying to like give give it the best buddy we can. And then I remember doing one more audition where they, they must have pretty much sent me the whole show as a script to come and read. I remember being completely off book for it. I learned it all. <laughs> I, wow. learned, I learned the whole thing. I think I had about five days and I just, yeah, I, I remember having my head in it. I was commuting. I was working in Soho at the time in central London. And so I had a 40 minute commute every morning and evening. I just spent the whole time buried in these scripts. And yeah, it was down to just me and this one other guy. That was a crazy phone call to get. <laughs> It's <laughs> a crazy phone call to get. Mm. The thing How about long Buddy, did you do that for? That was a year, just over a year on tour. The thing about Buddy was he was so young. He was so young. And I think I'm always going to be grateful to that company for kind of taking a shot. It was my second job. I'd never mm-hmm. done any sort of role before, let alone something so big. I guess they must have just seen something in the delivery I was giving because there's no, looking back on it, there's no way it would have been polished. <laughs> but there must have been something in it that they went, the energy's right, we'll get them out there. Yeah, great I mean, experience. It's quite an interesting point in the fact that from what I know about the profession, I've always believed that it is a person being absolutely right for the job. So it is what they're looking for. Yeah, and it's not quantifiable. It's yes. not about your qualifications. Yes. It's kind of yes. at the point that you're in the room, it's irrelevant how many shows you've done. It's irrelevant what college you went to. It's irrelevant who your best mate is. Yes. Actually, it kind of all comes down to what do you deliver? Is it great? Is it entertaining? And then is it right and exactly what they're looking for? Mm. And so mm. I'm not under any illusions that while I say the skills have to be there, there is also this huge element of luck in it that you're in the right audition room at the right time with the right look and the right energy. That's yes. the thing. The, the, the talent's going to be, be there for you to be even contemplating something like this as a career, hasn't it? Yes, you, yeah. that's but then when you go into this, it's that realization when you get to college and then you get out of college, you just everyone is talented. Talent doesn't set you apart in any way yeah. because anyone who's going to be doing this for a living is talented. Yeah. I'm very fortunate that my friendship group, like the people that I've met, I'm inspired by all the time because they're all so talented in so many different ways. And yeah, the talent, the talent is just the spark. The talent is the thing that sets you off on that path, but it's what you then do with that talent that enables you to do this for a living, I think. 
Mm. That's what's so magical about the industry. You're in this room with these 25 people and everyone is talented and, and interesting and, and has a creative take. And it's it's awesome. Like, it's really cool. But yeah, there is this huge element of luck in it as well. And being ready to take the opportunities when they come to you. So just let's just backtrack slightly for a moment. So after yeah. school, you went to the BTEC course, which I happen to be teaching the dance element on. Yeah. But it was more than just dance. You did acting and singing as well. How did you feel the sort of type of course prepared you for what came later? Did it give you that foundation you were, should have had? Or? In as much as anything can prepare you for, for what comes later, I thought it was what I needed to be doing. I yeah. think it was completely right for me. The level of practical elements was perfect. Uh, because I wanted to be doing, I just wanted to be up and, and doing it. I think it's what we just said about qualifications. It's kind of, it's irrelevant what your qualification is. It's just about what you deliver in the room. And so what I think the BTEC facilitated for me was as many opportunities as I could possibly have got in that two-year period to get up on stage or in front of a room full of people and do some stuff and try things. Yeah. And I think that's what was so good about it. And also teachers from all different backgrounds coming in. I remember the music teacher we had was from like a jazz background. And it was like we had interesting influences coming in from all of these different places. And But at the end of the day, it was all about just getting up on stage or in front of a room full of people and, and playing. Mm-hmm. And we did stuff like um, Comedia with Cheryl. Yes. And I still use, I taught a workshop the other week and I used fundamentals from Comedia dell'arte in teaching this workshop in terms of how to access character. You don't know how many things that you learned that you don't even realise you're applying like through that. I realise we strayed a little bit far away from dance here. I'm very okay. sorry, but, but it's all movement, right? Yeah. It's actually, it's all comes down to how you move your body and how you tell stories physically, which kind of dance is so broad. What is, what is dance? You know, it's just, it's all, it's all telling stories, isn't it? But mm-hmm. Yeah, how do I think it prepared me? I think it prepared me as as well as anything could have. Do you think in any way, sort of maybe mindset, spiritually, self-care, any of those sorts of things, dance has had an impact on your life? Yeah, absolutely, like hugely, hugely. Even down, you know, we talked about school. Like I hated sports. I hated PE. I despised running around a football pitch. Actually, I love moving and I like being exhausted and like sweating and feeling like you've worked and actually if I didn't have dance there's a universe in which I wouldn't have discovered that mm-hmm. you know and then and actually I I'm really grateful that through all of my teenage years I was moving every single day just from a physical standpoint how positive is that that I was doing tons more exercise than most of my peers even though I hated sports because sort of things so that's from a physical point of view we've spoken loads about play and about having a place to be and finding a tribe and all that stuff it was one dance, but two, somewhere like CCDA was really important. Having one dance, but two, CCDA as a huge part of my teenage years was kind of essential for me growing into just being what I am and what I do mm. now. Yeah, yeah, dance is essential. Well, it was essential for me. I can see by the way in which you're so animated now, in the way in which you move while you're talking. You've got lots of hands and movements going on. <laughs> Not everybody's like that when they're talking on the podcast. So I've noticed a real difference between certain people. And it's it's interesting that you are expressive in that way. You know, so I think that maybe the, the dance has been there right from, from the first moment of your life in the way in which your body moves. Well, what is dance? It's just expression through movement. Some of the best dancers I know are terrible dancers, <laughs> right? And it sounds like a, but it's about, yeah, it all comes down to storytelling, doesn't it? At the end of the day. Absolutely. And 
really that's the important thing that's the thing we've always done as human beings around fires for millennia you know we we tell stories and we move and we create rhythms and move to those rhythms. And I think it's it's like an essential part of the human experience. Yeah. So maybe there is, maybe there's something in the way that I just, I'm always quite gestural and it changes in different uh, situations. You know, I do quite a lot of teaching now and I'm hyper gestural when I'm teaching. Yeah. Maybe there's something interesting in there. I'd love to see 50 dancers, like professional dancers lined up all doing an interview and see how many of them do gestures. Yeah. But then some of the best performers I know are hyper introverted. Yes. in life mm. they're really quiet and actually they they're nervous in group situations but then they get on stage and they're exceptional entertainers and it's gestural language or your personality and how good you're going to be on stage because it's yeah two different things isn't it or how well you're gonna mm. you're gonna express yourself through movement but that is interesting you note that that some yeah. people are just a little bit about you and your life at the moment and uh, as a professional performer obviously this last year your covid has been horrendously disastrous for <laughs> most performers hasn't it yes uh, it's just beginning i hope to recover a little bit so just tell us a little about, bit about how you've survived this last year well for starters it is all opening up now i've had a couple of like self tapes coming in you know it's like stuff is starting to move <laughs> which is brilliant we talk about creativity and play right and kind of what is what is creativity I, for me it's kind of taking different ideas and making connections between them and it's about taking ideas further or taking them to an unexpected location I don't even know what you could talk for hours on what creativity is but mm. the way I survived the pandemic is actually in my my other life I do graphic designer sort of doing branding and brand development for people and but it's all the same skills. It's all taking ideas and figuring out how to articulate those ideas. But instead of expressing them through performance, you express them through imagery and art, shapes and colour to create emotions in an audience for a business as opposed to for an audience of a theatre show. So it's the same creative idea. So yeah, that's what I've been doing for the last year, a lot to keep myself you know, financially above the water, but also scratch that creative itch. I've been doing a lot of teaching on Zoom briefly I work with the art set outreach quite a bit going and doing Q&As and, and acting through song workshops on Zoom for these kids who are having to send in self-tapes for their drama school auditions have to sit there and in their bedroom and they record 50 takes and send off the one they think is the best and it's I just can't imagine auditioning for drama school in the last two years it must have been so tough just help them navigate that minefield it's just been yeah. an absolute minefield for everyone some things like my friend, so talking about having talented peers, creative peers, interesting. A friend of mine set up a play reading group and we meet every two weeks. We meet on a Thursday night, glass of wine, and we like read a play and talk about it. <laughs> and it's been, we've been doing it for a few months now and it's just been the most lovely creative tonic. Mm. This is uh, over Zoom, I presume. This is over Zoom, yeah, yeah, yeah. of course. Sorry, I should clarify. Yes, over yeah. Zoom. <laughs> but we just read a play and it was this realisation that, yeah, there's... There's gatekeepers all over the performing industry. Can you get in the room for the audition? Can you get the job? Whatever. But there's no gatekeeper on actually being an actor and reading stuff and analysing it and, and having a play. You know, there's no gatekeeper on that. And so we've been doing that, which has been awesome. We've just all been keeping going in the way that we can, haven't we? So just, just to finish off, what, what have you got hopefully in the pipeline in, in your performance life? <laughs> oh, yeah. On the day that we went into lockdown, I was supposed to start rehearsals for the Footloose UK tour the day we went into lockdown. That was the Monday mm. we were supposed to start rehearsals. And we got an, an email saying, don't worry, guys, we'll we'll postpone it for three weeks. <laughs> and, uh, for three weeks? Yeah, no, that was it. We'll <gasps> yeah. pick it up again in at the end of April or whatever. 
I don't know what I'm allowed to say really here. We're still, I'm still in chats with yes. the company to hopefully the show will, will continue in some form at some point. That's probably mm. all I can say at this point, yeah. but it's still on the horizon, I guess, which is a really nice thing to be, mm-hmm. to be able to hold on to. It's the sort of show we're all going to need. Yes. <laughs> it's such a dance show it's lovely it's such a dance but the whole the thematically it's exactly what we need right of just breaking free and Mm. you know cut well cutting loose right (laughs) it's what we all need um so i do hope it hope it goes ahead yeah it's there on the horizon so we'll see but yeah it's weird to think that i would be finishing that in three months you know i got the job in november 2019 it will be probably two years hence before we started there's a couple of people the cast are connected on facebook we've got a facebook group that somebody put together and like the son of the cast who is like it's going to be their first job <laughs> and you're like oh my gosh you've been you've been out of drama school for two years now and mm. you had this job and i'm in the pipeline two years madness yeah. it's great the stuff's coming like i said i've had a couple of self-takes come in and guess what every actor in the uk is free so <laughs> any, anything you get in there's going to be thousands of people subbing for it so yeah, it's going to be tough out there for another couple of years, I think, to mm-hmm. where we get. I'm just glad to be doing stuff. With your graphic design arm, do you see that sort of carrying on as well? Are you going to be hoping to develop that further? Yeah, I've been developing that since I left drama school, basically. I've been doing it for six years now. It's something I've always been really conscious of, is having something on the side that is not performing that I can rely on. And it's that, you know, it's that idea of diversifying your income streams. It's yeah. I've got kind of three ways that I support myself, which is performing, graphic design and teaching. And over the last six years, there have been moments that one or the other yeah. lifts to support the others. You know, that's working out for me. And I'm, I enjoy all three of them. That's Obviously, great. I love performing. It's my first love. Teaching, I'm hyper passionate about. And I've been doing, I used to assist on the summer and Easter courses when I was at college. <clears throat> and then since then, I've been teaching on them. And then we've got, you know, the design stuff is, it's another way of, you know, creating something. Last little question, really, to sort of round us up here. We've seen that there have there's been a big influence of dance. Um, yeah. Your creativity and the fact you've been allowed to develop that further has, has helped all those things as well as your performing. So the question I'm asking most people then is when you are a parent, presuming you may one day be a parent, what are you going to be directing your son or daughter to do in re- in regards of this creativity do you see yourself bringing them into the same sort of exploratory world that you had or do you see that you're going to say no you must do this or not going to do anything or what would you say is it worth doing dance is it worth doing dance of course yes do would I ever push I I can't speak to this until there's there's a kid in front of me but no I don't I would never push a child to do something I don't think I think the thing is it's about nurturing the instinct if it's there if they want to do Morris dancing like yeah come on then let's get in the car and we'll go do Morris dancing right Mm -hmm. or they want to go and do rock climbing or painting or whatever like just but also widening I think it's one of those things that it's important to try it you know go to a dance class because why what have you got to lose the worst thing you've got to lose is you hate it or you get embarrassed or whatever and you don't something to that and move on yeah I wouldn't necessarily say oh that's a tough one would I say you've got to go and try this yeah maybe <laughs> maybe it's the sort of thing we send them and just when they're little just give them a bit of rhythm get them in a ballet class just so that they're limber and supple and fit and can and can move and you know I learned a lot from it and I use a lot of it in my day-to-day life now I really value it 
maybe a kid doesn't know what they want to do until they try it. Mm. So yeah, I'd probably send them to a dance class and an acting class and a painting class and a rock climbing class and a music <laughs> lesson and see what they like. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> and maybe maybe there's going to be pe- like parenting podcasts out there that come for me with pitchforks and be like, don't overload your child. Just let them <laughs> muck around in the garden. That's probably also fine. I've never read a book on it. I can't answer that. Uh, do I think it's really, really important and essential? And do I see benefits in the people around me that I even went to dance with who don't do it professionally, but are still great human beings and everybody should do it? <laughs> <laughs> That's lovely. Um, thank you yeah. very much, Alex. It's been really interesting having some of your memories from this and the take on it and the, the interesting for me personally has been about the creativity side of, of the dance, which is sort of opening up a whole new section, really. So it's really interesting. Thank you. No worries. I look forward to hearing the edit. <laughs> if you have enjoyed today's episode, then please be sure to follow on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Amazon or Google Podcasts. Your support means such a lot to me so that we can get the stories of dance and how it helps life out there. Please also like and share the Instagram Growing Through Dance Pod and follow the Facebook group Growing Through Dance Podcast, where you can join in the conversation to discuss dance. If you have any stories you would like to share, please contact me via direct message on either social platform. Thank you for listening. Your host, Catherine Lucid. Hey.